I'm Courtney. I'm Joe. And, and this, this is, is Courtney, Courtney and Joe, Joe Spoil, Spoil Everything. everything. Welcome back. We're kicking off season two with the show Pushing Daisies. If you haven't yet, make sure to listen to our season one recap, which is pretty fun, where we just are still as angry as we were about certain shows <laughs> and recover everything and get us uh, back up to speed here. Season two, Pushing Daisies, Courtney. Yes. What a pick. This was my brainchild out of nowhere. It was one of those shows that I used to see commercials for. Uh, about 10 or so years ago and looked fairly interesting, but nothing I ever explored anymore. So I thought perfect time to do it. We only have to watch two episodes. So if I don't like it, then who cares? But <laughs> so what did, what did you think of it? Okay. So going into it, never heard of it before. Oh, okay. Like legit, never heard of it from the photo. I was like, Oh, this is a rom-com. But when I read the like, the caption that it's like a drama, not drama, but like a mystery crime solving yes. thing. I was like, Oof, what kind of background? This doesn't just give me very, you know, drama or like no crime fighting. And then they said it was like, uh, which which we call it? like magical. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it's very much like this falls in the category of mystery. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this is technically the first full mystery show that we've tackled which is exciting um but it's not i didn't expect it to be a mystery because i say i used to watch commercials on it and i knew it was kind of quirky and you know out there a little bit but i certainly didn't know it was a mystery and there was going to be these different like aspects to it to quote unquote solve yeah let's just put that very lightly okay <laughs> okay not exactly these aren't like in-depth mysteries this isn't Law and Order, this isn't fucking cold well, no. case file. <laughs> no, it's not. It's more in the vein of, I would say, a six feet under, dead like me, quirky drama with some like black comedy worked in. And then there's also this element of who done it kind of thing. Who done this? Who, who done done it? So, um, I didn't know much of the cast. No, um, I, I didn't honestly. The detective is the only one. Well, no, no. Let me well, back yeah. that up. He, I recognize, but Swooshy Kurtz, one of the ants with the um, patch over her eye. Obviously, I know her. Uh, she's a big, bigger wow. time actress. Uh, the rest, and then Kristen Chenoweth, but I feel like this was early in even her acting career. So, yeah, the main guys and girls, I, I don't know who they are. And I don't know what else they've been in. Yeah, let me dive into it. Okay. So, Lee Pace, who's the main character, uh, his name is Ned in the show. He's yes. in Guardians of the Galaxy, The Hobbit, Halt and Catch Fire. Apparently a big Broadway guy, which a lot of these actors and actresses are. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Courtney, are you making me watch another Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yeah, right another now? musical show. Yeah, why are so many people... I mean, Kristen Chenoweth obviously is. I, d I didn't realize that he was as well. Yeah, a lot of them are, which is crazy. Uh, Lee Pace was once ranked uh, number 14 on Entertainment Weekly's 30 Under 30 Actors List in 2008. Okay. That's the height of this show. Yeah, that's true. He spent the better part of his childhood living on an American compound in Saudi Arabia with his family. His father is in oil. <laughs> oh, all right. 
Amy Adams admitted uh, that she thought he looked so dashing on the set of Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day that it made the director ask leave to leave the set because he distracted Amy too much. Well, if Amy Adams think that Lee Pace is hot, wait till she sees me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was, he reminded me of that. Remember that show, Ed, which I never watched that show either, but he reminded me of that guy, right? Couldn't, couldn't tell you, but whatever. Oh, all right. What about Chuck? <laughs> Chuck, yeah, yeah. He's very, very poor man's Chuck. Yeah. That guy, that, kind of the same lines, right? Like those are all, those three guys are kind of interchangeable people. Zachary Levi is like way better, I would say, personality wise than this guy. Okay. It's the bushy eyebrows thing. That's like their thing. <laughs> Black and I feel like all eyebrows. those shows, the three shows we just named Ed, Chuck and Pushing Daisies may have been out at the same time. <laughs> or may have just been one show that we don't know yeah. about. <laughs> all just one collective show they just renamed it every season (laughs) no one watches it anyways no one's even going to notice we'll put it on at 11 30 p.m on a tuesday we'll change it from abc to cbs no one will even know uh we had anna freel who plays charlotte uh who's the main uh lead in this she was in land of the lost which i absolutely love with will ferrell a lot of people haven't seen that movie but (laughs) This is not the first time that you've talked about your love for Land of the Lost. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, but Danny McBride, man, he, anything he makes is amazing. She was also limitless. I don't really have much on her, but she was married to the guy who plays Remus in Harry Potter. That's my fun fact. Um, so. I have seen the first Harry Potter one time, so I cannot confirm or deny any of those things. All right, go away. <laughs> um, do we need to explore who a few others are? Courtney, grab that seatbelt, strap yourself in. I got a ton to go through. I'm going to try to get through. Oh, good. Shia McBride, who plays Emerson. Uh, He was in Gone in 60 Seconds, iRobot, Hawaii Five-0, Boston Public. Boston Uh, Public. Thank you. Thank you. That's where he's from. I love Boston Public. So his first name is pronounced Shy, like Chicago. That's where he got his name from, because that's where he's from. Okay. Uh, he didn't start acting till he was 30 years old. He always is an adult in everything. Yeah. He, well, he doesn't age. That's also the other yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. He always plays the same sarcastic guy. So it's like, oh, shit, here we go again, or something like that in the background. Yep. All right. Funny. This is the weirdest fact I think I've ever had. He plays the same character, Stephen Harper, in three different television series, The Practice, Boston Public, and Boston Legal. Oh, that's what I liked. Boston Legal was my jam. He was he plays the, the same lead. character. Yes, because they were all. The practice is actually one I want to do on here because I've never watched the practice. Boston Public, I think he was the lead in it. And they were all kind of like a spinoff of each other or they had like through characters in each other. Boston Legal was the one I liked a lot. Boston Public's the one he's known for. And the practice I've never seen any of. And I want to do that on this show. Mm-hmm. We have Ellen Green. Uh, who plays Vivian. She was in Little Shop of Horrors and uh, Leon the Professional. Is she the aunt? Yeah, she's the aunt. Not the eye patching because it's Swooshy. No, the other one, the twin. We have Swoozy Kurtz, plays Olive. She was in Liar Liar. Absolutely awesome performance in that as the boss. She is Uh, so good. Bubble Boy, Cruel Intentions. And uh, fun fact about her, she's not the country singer Reba McIntyre. 
She, no, she's got quite a lot of similarities. Uh, she, <laughs> she was in a show called Sisters that was on in the 90s that I was in love with. I'm still in like a Facebook group about that show Sisters, and she was one of the sisters. Well, her name, Swoozy, is derived from Swooz, half swan, half goose, which was the name of the B-17D bomber that her father piloted in World War II. That's wow. kind of fun. And, and I never pronounce her name correctly because I've already mispronounced it two, three times on this podcast. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> it. the beauty of it. Uh, lastly, Kristen Chenowitz. Same, Chenowitz and the same damn difference because it, it it's like one of those uh, <laughs> palindromes. Uh, she was she plays Lily. Uh, she was in West Wing, Bewitched, Glee, and also like I just feel like she's famous for being famous. She's a Broadway person. She I know, was in the original. Like, I believe she's the original one in Wicked. Yeah. So, so Nicole Kidman uh, met Kristen after a performance of Wicked and said that she enjoyed her performance as Glinda the Good Witch mm-hmm. and that she would get a role written specifically for her in uh, Kidman's role Bewitched in 2005. A few months later, Kidman followed up on her promise. Boom. She was in Bewitched. Yeah, because I think that's like her crossover in acting because she, now everybody knows because she sings in this and that, but I think Wicked, like in the early days of Wicked when it was in Dina Menzel, Dina Menzel was, you know, the witch and she was a good witch. And so I think that's how they both kind of broke into more mainstream type things. Yeah, a couple other fun facts. She was allowed to choose her My Little Pony, the movie character's main color. The color That's of the cool. That's cool. So I don't weird. like how they look like they're on heroin now, the Mind Little Ponies. Like, I miss the <laughs> 90s versions. <laughs> like, those big eyeballs. Like, woo. Uh, also, she's 4'11". Yes, she's very little. She's very little. I'm very... Is she Southern? Or is that put on for some shows? I don't know. She's, she's very, pretty stacked, though. She could be... She can be a very cutesy character she can be a very annoying character and i have a feeling in this show she falls into the ladder i just want to like roll her up in a ball and bounce her down the street (laughs) pretty much um i did a little background but i more or less had to make a comparison to something in this so uh pushing daisies october 2007 on abc does fall into the category of mystery which we have said um this reminded me very much of something Wes Anderson would make. Not, he didn't. But, and when I said that to you the other day, you go, Wes Craven? No, if it was Wes Craven, I'd be all over it. Wes Anderson, uh, he does movies like The Grand Budapest Hotel, Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, you know, it's kind of like quirky. But his movies are very visually compelling, like big bright colors. He's got this style of like direct directing, which things are very detailed, often led by a narrator, but they're also like very peculiar as well um i don't know how many of his movies you've seen they're not my cup of tea but i respect them because a lot of people do love them and they love his like his humor and just kind of how it's flat monotone yeah the other like wes anderson characters are like children right so if you think about the royal tenenbaums they're all supposed to be what in like their 20s and 30s like the ones that play the kids it's like um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Stiller, but they're still very much like 
deeply flawed and selfish and greedy, but they have that like young of heart thing that makes them likable. So I almost felt the same way about the characters in Pushing Daisies. I mean, Ned's business is called the pie hole. Like it's very playful. It's very like, it's childlike. It's pun humor. You know, it's laughing about potty humor. And then Chuck, she almost has like this wide eyed innocence to her. Like she seems smitten like a little girl. So they, the colors in this, the narration and the characters really, really reminded me of Wes Anderson. And I, like, I, yeah, I know you're not a big follower of those movies. They're not my favorite things either. But I just noticed so many similarities to it that I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I would I would say that this did have there was a lot of color and distinction that I saw on this. And a lot of it was like a fairy tale mixed with a bad video game graphic from oh. like PlayStation one. So funny you said this because in the first season, critics describe it as a gloriously strange fairy tale. And that's my thoughts exactly because these, I got to read you my first notes when this thing starts. I, it's a, I wrote, love the bright colors. It's like the Wizard of Oz. The sky is full blue, like a b- backdrop of pure blue. And that, I mean, Wizard of Oz is a fairy tale in its own right. And that is immediately what I went to. It was, it was like a weird fairy tale. And you said it and critics said same thing. But what I thought was impressive is this show has 96% overall rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 92 in the first season, 100% for season two, which seems awfully well regarded for a show that only lasted two seasons. Yeah. And that I've never heard of. Yeah. And that you've never. That you've never and isn't that old? I mean, two thousand seven. No, that's still there was really good TV on in two thousand seven. So, yeah. and there was they were still competing with like Netflix and stuff. Netflix right. was, you know, absolutely yeah, ramping into the digital realm. I know I was still getting DVDs back then, but yeah, the the abundance of TV absorption I think was tending to start to go in different directions. So yeah. It's an interesting yeah. time. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting time. I mean, you've never heard of it, but for something that stuck out this much visually and had a claim like this, it's no one ever talks about this show. I mean, you nope. never hear anybody talk. We still will talk about Six Feet Under. We still will talk about Throw Me a Weird Show, Twin Peaks. You don't hear anything about this for being so highly rated. Yeah, no, which is really weird because I generally like this. Like I could, I mean, not intensely watch every episode, but I could put it on the background and just kind of roll the, the flow while it's it's playing. My wife even popped in. She goes, what are you watching? And I'm like, oh, it's this show. And I described it to her. She goes, oh, the narrator makes it seem like it's something that I would watch. Yeah. It's very, it's very uniquely done, especially for mm-hmm. ABC. I mean, you and I have talked at length about how these networks, they got a, a formula. You know what I mean? Lawyer, doctor, drama type thing. This seems out of place. It seems like it should be, I don't know. It seems like it should be an FX, not an FX show, but it seems like. It could long. be a precursor to like Once Upon a Time. Yes, yeah. Which like I maybe where they try to start dabbling in some like mystery, but also, you know, fantasy stuff yeah. too. Yeah. But it's not like it's toned down. It's not like crazy. It's like, no. I mean, we'll get into it. So let's start with a live view and we'll go through this show. Oh my God. It had so many 
just ups and downs. <laughs> it was just all over the place. Literally. It starts off, um, this guy and his dog, this little kid's running down a hill, and the dog gets hit by a car. And I'm like, oh, my God, dead dog in the first five dead minutes. Dead dog in the first You minute. have another house of cards. Yeah, I'm writing down, I love this daisy field. And as I'm writing that, the dog gets hit by a car. I was like, F the daisy field. Like, what, what are we doing now? <laughs> Where did we go? However, the kid, uh, whose name is Ned, touches the dog, and it brings the dog back to life. Yeah. Everything was so surreal in that first like three minutes, wasn't it? Like really? It seems like an Instagram filter was over it. I feel like I was on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I was was like all over the place. Is this still is this going to be like this the whole time? Which I wasn't hating, but it was it was surreal. But I was like, fuck, now we're doing carnival where (laughs) touch something. Something else is going to die. And the Mm -hmm. same thing happened. Yeah. So was it the squirrel fell out of the tree or something, right? Yes, yeah, so a squirrel falls out of the tree, but he finds out if he touches something twice, it dies. So he touched his mom to bring her back after she had like a stroke or a blood vessel bursted in her head. And then, however, when he touched the mom to bring her back to life, the neighbor died. Yeah. So let's break that down a little bit. I got a couple of thoughts and or questions. So my first question is, what year is this supposed to be? Because if you're, we're looking at just the mom and their kitchen, it's like, oh, this is the 50s or 60s. But he's dressed like it's the 90s. And then, of course, when we go into the modern day, it seems like it's 90s, 2000. So I'm like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> like right up front. And her whole thing was like this pie making housewife. Like it was so bizarre that's first weirdness second weirdness i don't know how we glossed over this when he's describing chuck the little girl next door and they're talking about their playtime and all of a sudden it goes into like this claymation Claymation. (laughs) i was like i can't do it i can't do i hate claymation that's why i was like am i on drugs right now i that was the exact part the first eight minutes of this feels like an acid trip yeah, it really does. It's all over the place. It's bright colors. People it's like croaking, coming back, croaking yeah. again. <laughs> you just like start looking at your hand like, am I okay? <laughs> it was definitely those. I don't know. I, I have to believe that some of what they're setting up here to be like so quirky, so unique is kind of like, oh, we're not going to say what time period we're in. We're not going to say what city we're in. You know, it's going to be kind of this like you make up your own world it's kind of supposed thing. supposed to be like a utopia Yeah. when he's younger. But like as you see the pie shop that he has when he's older is not. So I took it as the pies are a symbolism, just like America, like apple pie a symbol of the 50s when you know things were supposed to be like perfect and things were on the rise and it was like time to try to capture a moment in time type of deal and put it into a an item like you know personify the apple pie that's what i got out of it you know i think that's a really really interesting way to look at it and i think you're right that's why maybe in the beginning it paints this very like what we recall is like a nostalgic time a wholesome time and this town that has 
you know, this pretty name in a place that we can't identify. Like, yeah, that's yeah. The anywhere place. middle America. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then when it's the adult years, the city's kind of gritty. Yeah. It's, and the pie holes just like dropped in the middle. <laughs> it's legit in the middle of the whole thing. Like, I thought Batman was going to swerve around the corner. At one yeah. <laughs> it's so no, what it looked like. So weird. The other thing, and I know we're going to go scene by scene with this, but when this when this switches to the modern times and it takes on like a film noir detective thing, I was like, now where are like what show the mystery of the show is trying to figure out what this show is. Yeah. Show within the show. Yeah. Oh, I think we just busted it open. <laughs> now the whole show makes actual sense to me. Yeah. So it's all about this guy um, named Ned. Right. All right. So it's all about the show. This guy named Ned, he grows up, he ends up opening, opening a pie shop. However, a real weird string of events come into place that has Emerson chasing a bad guy on a rooftop. The guy falls off the rooftop. He bumps into Ned, comes back alive, and then Ned touches him again and he dies. Yeah, so basically, like it's a it's a cop it's a cop chase. It becomes a cop chase after the utopia, and like he happens to see like Ned's like putting away garbage in the back lot, and like taps the guy, and that's how he comes to know that Ned has like these powers. I guess we want to call them. Yeah, so he realized that he has these these powers or this ability, and he's kind of sensitive from a young age, but he's hit it from the world. He realized that he killed the neighbor that lived across the street, which ended up being his like childhood crush's father. He's been like crippled by anxiety about other people ever since and just wants to own a pie shop so he doesn't have to talk to anyone. Yeah. And it, then Emerson, they, go, they go, he became obsessed with pies. I'm like, all right. <laughs> weird line. <laughs> weird flex, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Emerson's kind of thrust into his life and Emerson is the exact opposite. So Emerson wants to use his ability to make money on the yeah. side. So what they do is Emerson uses his police powers to help get them in the morgues and crime scenes. And Ned will basically wake up the dead, ask them who killed them, and then put them back asleep. Right. Because you only have, what is the time frame now? What is it? 60 seconds? One minute. One minute. Yeah. So 60 seconds. So what's really fun about what they do in the beginning before they really deep dive into the detective stuff is they'll do like quirky little shit like he'll be like pick up a shitty strawberry and he's like boop bring the strawberry back to life now i'm gonna make a kick-ass pie like there's so many of these like childlike elements worked in and then it's like a whole other side of it where it's like well people have been murdered and now he's gonna find out what the you know what the story is but they portray death as not a i don't know not final and not dark as it is in real yes. life. They, they paint it with like a fun brush. And that's abundantly apparent in every single person that they wake up from the dead. They're like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm yeah. alive again. Oh my God. Yeah, like, that was a wild ride. Like, that, be like, what the fuck is happening to me? <laughs> Have you ever Who seen... Who the fuck you? Where the fuck am I? What is going on? <laughs> Have you ever seen Dead Like Me on HBO? No. It was a, it's similar to this where like this girl dies because she gets hit by a, a airplane toilet when she's like 18 and then she becomes a reaper and she's you get a post-it note every morning and it's like oh you gotta go tap 
Joe Cronin on the shoulder at 7.03 today at the train station. And then you like take a soul and then they die, but they always die in like a weird way. Like someone will be like presenting like um, a shredder to make a sale. And then all of a sudden their hand gets caught. You're like, you know what I mean? They always die in a weird way. So it's the same kind of thing where it's like, I'm not sure those shows were on at relatively the same time where it's like death is, is interesting and final, but it's not, it's not like a sad thing in these shows. It's kind of like a weird part of life that we just go through and you can die in a hundred thousand different weird ways. Yeah. And I mean, like the first case that they do is this guy gets mauled to death by a dog and the dog is a chow chow. And it turns out that it wasn't the chow chow because when he wakes the dude up who got mauled, he said it was the secretary's Rottweiler. So the chow chow is free. The chow chow's name is cantaloupe. And that's all I care about. (laughs) We only care about the dogs in the show, which speaking of dogs, when his when they did the present, you know, present time and his dog's still alive. I was like, has he not touched this dog in 25 years or whatever? And no, he has it. He has like one of those retractable like, you know, if you pick up cans on the side of the road with or something, that's how he, like, No, he has, like, dog. a Pinocchio hand. Yeah, like, a- like out of wood, <laughs> And he, like, it can individually scratch them. Yeah, it's so insane. I was like, how did you never, like, brush up against the dog in all these years? It, this, it, so, this show also has girls that are, like, big horny during it. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Chris and so, Chenoweth being number one on that. Yeah, so they, they show Chris and Chenoweth in... The next is she's like drooling all over um, our, our our main character, um, Ned, and he won't touch her. And she's like, do you, do you touch anything? Will you touch me? She's like, please touch me. <laughs> yeah, she's she like stands on the kitchen. She like stands on the table, to like be even with him. And he's like, nope, nope, can't can't do this. I got to get out of here. <laughs> he's got no I, I at one point I wrote he doesn't seem emotionally bothered by anything. And that must be like something from the when the mother died and like having experienced there's got to be a deeper thing to this right which is like he experienced trauma when he was young that's the underlying message of this now it's covered up with quick takes and quirky characters yeah well he's withdrawn from social life so he doesn't have a social he he doesn't know how to like socially interact with anyone because he's afraid he's going to kill them so like right. that's a scary fucking thing right because i accidentally touch people like all the time yeah like i'm into someone you know yeah well, not anymore, but like no. And now know. in COVID, we actively avoid people. But but while she's trying to touch him, he sees this newscast on the television. The newscast is talking about this girl who fell off a cruise ship. Uh, they're offering a fifty thousand dollar reward to anyone has any information on it. So what happens? So him and his partner uh, Emerson go down and try to wake up this dead girl. The guy who runs the more uh, the funeral home is shysty. He like steals jewelry off He's people. He's a and grave robber, people. basically. Yeah. So he opens up this um, coffin and he sees the girl he fell in love with. They shared a kiss when they were ten years old. They were each other's first kiss. Also, why didn't she die during the kiss? I don't know, but whatever. Because um, I think they- he can touch. I think the. I think if somebody hasn't died, he can still touch them. I think he's just afraid to. No, he, the mom was very much. Oh shit! No, she had an aneurysm. See, there's some confusion. The mom had an aneurysm in the beginning and faints, so he goes over to her like like you would automatically, and like touches her, and that's why she comes back. But I think if someone's like very much alive and he touched them, 
they're going to be okay. I think he's just afraid to because he doesn't know what will happen. Yeah. Okay. So he wakes her up. They start talking and wait, she's like, wait, that was the funny. I laughed out loud in that part, though, because when he wakes her up and he he like he had to bend down in the coffin to like wake her up to touch her. And she grabs him and his head slams against the like it was such a funny moment. I actually like laughed out loud in that part. And she is like super cool with it once she realized like who he is. And it's like, oh, yeah. OK, I don't need an explanation about this. Totally OK. Um, and then they start talking and he's like, you know, you were my first kiss and you know, you only have a minute to live and all this stuff. And I want to do justice by you and find out who killed you. And she was just like, will you be my first and last kiss? Oh, I know. And then they lean into each other and he can't pull himself to kiss her. So the minute is up. So boom, that means that she's alive now permanently, which means someone else has to die. Well, the shitty owner of the place, the funeral home, eats it on the toilet while smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, he's toast. He walks out to his partner. It's like, oh, yep, she didn't know anything. Okay, let's get going. Actually, you go ahead. I'm going to go back. I forgot something. Uh, you know how to get out of here, right? <laughs> he goes back and bam, the casket's gone. They had put it in the hearse and they're headed down. The <laughs> I actually laughed at that part too. Like that, the situation of that is hysterical because mm-hmm. she's just like laying in there. And she's smiling the whole time. Yes. I would be freaking the fuck out if the thing like, moved. Everyone in this is like slightly on drugs. Like there's just some. There's either like really heightened emotions or no emotions. It's bizarre. So he ends it up. He ends up waiting till the service is over. As soon as she goes to get buried, he lights the guy's car on fire. The, the two dudes truck on fire that, that's like burying her. So he gets her out of there and he brings her back to his apartment and they're just like talking. And he's like, I'm just so tired. I'm going to go to bed right here on the couch. Don't don't even touch me. Don't look at me. Yeah, don't don't breathe near me. Yeah. And she goes to sleep and then she wakes up and hears about the reward as she's like watching her own funeral on television and she goes over and she's like, did you come to find me for the reward? He's like, no, once I realize it's you for justice. Okay. And then she's like, cool with it. That never happens. Women demand an explanation (laughs) about every little fucking thing in the world. This would be three hours. Yeah. This, I would have to talk about this for a month. Like she was just (laughs) like, Oh, I'm back to life. Not, not wondering how it happened. What may the repercussions be? How do you find her? What do we have to do from here? Like everything, just like, okay. And she's always just smiling like from ear to ear at him. It's fucking up. I don't get it. Like, I'm like, is she all right? And then when they do that, they do this like short scene where they like go back and explain her life and how she had to be raised by her aunts because he accidentally killed the dad. I was like, she grew up in like gray gardens. Like they were like recluses. It's so like everything in this is so bizarre. Yeah. And the funny part about it is she had never left her the house basically her whole life. <laughs> yeah. And then she went to go on a cruise and then she dies on the cruise. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And when they explained, like, did we even get to the part where they explain the ants and what, what's what up with the ants? Um... I think that's in this part, like, because when they're going back, they're like kind of explaining like what her aunts were like, too. 
Yeah, so their aunts were synchronized swimmers, and they were like a famous act, and they like raised her and didn't let her do anything. They're like evil stepsisters, and she was basically like stuck in this house, this like evil mansion with them. So all she did was like read books. Yeah, one's and, like, got to about what it's like. They had to stop being synchronized swimmers, from my understanding, because cat litter, dirty cat litter, went in one of their eyes, and they had to wear a patch forever. So then, then she couldn't like have the peripheral vision to keep doing like the synchronized swimming. So their like careers went down the toilet, and they basically basically became like gray gardens. Yeah, like you said, like evil like stepmother figures, and they like, just shut like, themselves in a house, like boarded the windows. Yeah. But still, she is, like, so effervescent. It's it's insane. So she wakes up in Ned's apartment, and she she sees a note that says, don't leave this apartment. So what does she do? She leaves the apartment. That's now true. she opens up the door. Um, she sees the neighbor who is also in love uh, with, with him, and she's like, oh, I'm Ned's, I'm Ned's friend. He, and all of a sudden the friend just goes, does he touch you? That was like my, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, was actually part. funny. Yeah, that was a good part. So the two of them go down to the pie hole, and she says that she wants in for the reward. She hands um, a newspaper over to Emerson and goes, "Look, the the guy died." Like she caught on to like what happened at the funeral home. Yeah, and he goes, he goes. Emerson's like, dude, what happened? He goes, I don't know, some weird proximity thing. He's like, bitch, I was in the proximity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's got a, he's got some good one-liners too. Does this remind you of Jane the Virgin a little bit too? Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it rem- like, it's like weird fucking mix of season one shows, like yeah. all this in a blender. It is. It's like, it is. It's super weird because Jane the Virgin was like, oh, let's take real life situations and kind of heighten them. And I mean, here it's obviously even more exaggerated and like fantasy. But I don't know something about it. Like those, it, they they could be each other. Like they could be like mirrors of each other. Those shows. Yeah, it's the English Jane the Virgin. Yeah. So they try to piece together what happened why she died on the cruise ship. So they go to the travel agent who's like the sleazy travel agent. They find out that she gave her a suitcase with two ceramic monkeys in it and that she was supposed to smuggle them. And that's what happened. However, the travel agent touches Ned's cheek and dies before they found out any more information. Yeah. Cause the, when they got there, the travel agent had been like murdered. Yep. What do, uh, they, I forgot to start off with that. That would probably would have been. Yeah, that would be that helpful. would be helpful. But we didn't. <laughs> they're so. It's just, I mean, a little rusty. We sound like we're on drugs, but like that's how like all over this place is. It's like quick cuts of like fucking madness. It's like oh, we're in the Wizard of Oz. Oh, we're at Claymation. Oh, it's it's a noir film. Oh, it's a love story. Like it's now we got pies. Like it's <laughs> it's a lot. But you know what? It was still good. It was still good. I mean, yeah, it, it was it was just a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> we have so, to you have to talk about the aunt, that part in the aunt's house because that was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So what happens is they're like, "Oh shit! It's probably has to do with the monkeys. Let's go find the monkeys." What happens when you die on a cruise ship? Well, they give all your belongings to your next of kin. So they go to the aunt's house and they sneak in. And um, they're looking for this briefcase that has the monkeys in. So Emerson and Ned go down, just ring the doorbell. And, hey, we're friends of hers. You know, she we were just wanted to look for something. 
the, the, the suitcase. Do you happen to have it? Meanwhile, unbeknownst to them, uh, Charlotte uh, sneaks upstairs, grabs the two monkeys out of the case, and mm-hmm. jumps back out the window. The aunt, we'll call her Reba aunt, Reba aunt <laughs> with the eye patch, comes in and she gets strangled by someone who is in the same room that Charlotte was just in 10 seconds ago. She gets strangled with a bag the same way everyone's been dying so far in the episode. Yeah, everyone connected to like Chuck's death and like these monkeys are all getting like the bag over the head treatment. I, I don't know. The calling card of the killer, I guess. The pink bag with a smiley face on it. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out that Ned comes upstairs. He's like, what's taking so long? As one does when you're in someone else's house. Um, <laughs> no you just decide to walk up some stranger's staircase. Um, when he goes up there, he gets he's about to get the bag treatment. The guy throws the bag all over his head. However, Reba Aunt with the eye patch. Um, because she was a synchronized swimmer, she had incredible like ability to hold her breath. I'm not, not I had there to say yet. It. I was so I get so excited about this scene. <laughs> okay. But what she didn't see was Wait, that no, no. She she we think she's dead, but she got to hold her breath. But but Chuck, Chuck also appears in the scene trying to help Ned, who's getting attacked. Okay, now go on. Okay. So Chuck or Charlotte, whatever one you want to call her comes and hits the the burglar over the head to separate the two. The aunt then appears with a shotgun, shoots the bad dude, clear out a hole, like a circle creepy window. Yeah. Like blows this dude. It was like... like, (laughs) He just gets sucked out like a tornado. It was like if you opened like an airplane door or something. It was crazy. Yeah. And he just got sucked out and blown off like three stories down. However, when the aunt looked, they thought they were busted and that they knew that Charlotte was alive. But because she had an eye patch, she couldn't see Charlotte standing to the right. So she only saw Ned. So the secret's safe. Yes. It was so the way they shot that and like the way they like they're like. And they there was her niece. It was perfect. Yes, it was so good. There's her niece. And they're like, but she has an eye patch. So she, oh my God, it was just so interesting. Like that whole scene, there's so much like buildup. I love it. You notice something about that whole scene? They never showed who the killer was. No, they're not going to. Because my question, and you know, when we wrap up this, which is like two scenes away, when my question is, do you think that this particular murder mystery carries on for more episodes no it's always a one week but this one even though it's chuck like i thought i have a feeling that yeah it's one of those where it's like each week there's a murder of the week but i thought this one maybe carried out a little bit because they never showed him they didn't i guess like they show that the monkeys under the ceramic are gold so that's why somebody wanted them because there's not a bigger explanation as to why someone wants the monkeys. Like, there's not resolution. Yeah, there's not a resolution to that per se, but it's kind of implied. It is? Well, I just felt like it was implied. Like, hey, we caught the guy who was literally going around killing people. He wore the same shoes. That was the identifier. And all the scenes, they just showed his shoes. They didn't show the rest of his body. So that's the guy who was trying to kill her. 
just for smuggling what we find out is to be gold monkeys because Courtney didn't tell you because she wanted to spoil you to a, you know, spoil it. But there was this really cute scene where they really wanted to kiss each other after the whole near-death experience that they start kissing the monkeys and then the ceramic chips away and there's gold underneath. So yeah, it was super up, Courtney. Sorry. Sorry. Like, I, was... I want gold. Was... <laughs> I got to get to the gold. No, it was, it was super cute. It ends on a romantic note. Um, I love their little like forbidden love and everything. I do remember when they used to have previews of the show. The one thing I remember is because they, you know, they can't kiss, they can't touch. Um, I saw one time that she picks up saran wrap and like puts it between their like faces and they kiss like between the saran wrap. So I think there's going to be a lot of those like cutesy little things. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Tough life so, having magic powers, man. What do you think is going to happen in this? Like, how do you think this is possibly going to end? Okay, one thing that has to happen is that we have to find out how and why Ned has these abilities. Um, it is not good enough to me to just say well, he's got them. He just, you know, he's got them. Like, th- why? How was he chosen for them? What's the bigger meaning behind it? We have to find that out. What it is, I, I don't have the foggiest. But then I also think that in the end, they find a way through some course of magic or circumstance that they can actually be together in a real way. That's how I think it ends. I thought long and hard about this. I'm not going to lie. I went on a walk after I finished the episode with my dog and just sat thinking about it. It's peculiar. Okay. You ready for this? I am. By him bringing her back to life permanently. Permit well semi permanently at this point. Yeah, he gives her powers. Now he dies, but she brings him back. Oh. However, now they're like this weird in between where they can touch each other, Ooh. and now they can both do the powers. That's interesting. Do you think he passes that power along to? All the people if he lets them stay alive. Well, I guess he hasn't let anyone except the dog. Just the dog. Yeah. Or the dog does it. The dog. Dog centric show. There was a lot of dogs on the show. There was a lot of dogs in here. That's a I'm very okay interesting thought. Okay. I don't know. I went too deep. I probably I was way too behind deep. It. It's a magical show. It's a magical well, I don't know. This only went two seasons. Is it like a full show or is it, did it well, cut, get cut short and stuff? That's, that's, what that's the thing. Figure it, out. In the next episode, we'll do a little research about why it was why it was two seasons. Was it canceled? Was it just time? What, you know, what are the If they cancel and I don't get a resolution, I'm going to kick some of the balls. Tell me this is going to be another. Is this writer's strike, Joe? Time period? 2008? I got to go back and think. We'll see. I'm gonna write. Uh, I'm gonna write a letter. Strongly worded letter to ABC. No, I bet you if I just tweet Brian Fuller, who's the writer. Yeah. Like, if there's no resolution, he he might answer me. I mean, he doesn't seem like too too big of a guy. <laughs> He's got time. <laughs> well, he does, he does like Star Trek. I'll talk more about it next episode because I like to focus on like the people behind the show. Yeah. Like the writers and stuff. So I'll get to that next one. But I know he does like Star Trek. Okay. Stuff. So I know he's like a big nerd Comic-Con guy, which means that he likes to interact with his fans, which is cool for for me if I need answers, because I will literally flip out if I don't find out. That's cool. Well, because I think like 
I think we could kind of guess what all the middle part is, right? If we were going to surmise the middle part, it's solving little mysteries and then them having this will they won't the romantic thing because they can't quite do it. Be, yeah, right. And I don't know. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yes, do it. So, yeah. So I think that's all the middle part. I'm very interested to see how it resolves itself. If it does. All right. There you have it. Join us on Thursday for Pushing Daisies. Episode 2. Uh, like, subscribe. Come to our website, we spoil everything.com. No one uses websites anymore. Yes, no. Go to our Instagram. Spoil everything pod. <laughs> Don't listen to your grandmother. <laughs> Grandma Courtney. Come on, whippersnappers. All right. See you Thursday. Mm-hmm.